0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packet 8 Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack a Day podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred
2: sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
3: What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome to another Saturday edition of the pack podcast. I am Matt Fralick. Alongside me, recently now, is Paul Brettel. Unfortunately, Jason Perrone is making his way to Titletown to come see us specifically, and then, secondary, yep. go see the Packer game <laughs> on Monday night. So we are covering for him as he makes his journey from Arizona to Titletown. Paul? Hell of a week. we got some news to get to right, uh, right off the bat. We'll be the first ones covering this, but uh, how has your week been? And uh, are you excited, as everyone else, to shake off the, the shitty game that was on Sunday and get into a Monday Night Football, hopefully win?
2: Yeah, 100%. I'm tired of looking back and talking about that Sunday that was. I mean, we won't get into it too much since I know it's been covered, but gosh, what an ugly performance. Ready to look ahead, ready for the Packers to hopefully, and I think they will bounce back, but nonetheless, time to turn our focus to the upcoming game.
3: Absolutely. And you had some really great written words on uh, Daryland Express this week that we're going to get into and kind of pick through some of those things I think a lot of Packers fans want to know about. And a lot of pa- Packers fans just have these questions, even from you know the Mike Pettin defense to our new defensive coordinator to just the way we've played with Matt LaFleur under his short time here. But First things first, uh, I I know and I'm getting very accustomed to the fraternity that is the weather (laughs) report for the Saturday podcast crew. We have uh, two coming in, obviously, one from Green Bay, one from Canada. I will start. We were fortunate enough to have Harry in Kamloops, Canada. haven't checked the population of that. I'm definitely going to have to check it out, see where that officially lies within our friends of North of the Border. But our buddy Harry here says uh, on Saturday, it's cloudy with some showers. High of 61, down to 50 overnight. A little cool for this time of year, but the firefighters still need some help. Back into the 70s midweek to work on the tans before it's too cold. So it sounds like relative to what we're going to have in Green Bay, I believe. I think it's going to be, from last we talked last week, it's going to be pretty nice come Sunday and Monday. Above average weather, and that's what our buddy Harry is saying here. We appreciate you, Harry, giving us the weather report from all the way in Kamloops, Canada, for something more local and more pertinent this week. Paul, you have the Green Bay weather report for the weekend.
2: Yes, for the first home game of the 2021 season, right now in Green Bay, we're kind of flirting with, is it summer yet? Is it fall? There's those high 60 days, low 70s. Then there's some days or it's been a little humid, getting closer to 80, and this Saturday is beautiful, 73 and Sunday, and sunny. Monday, it looks like there's going to be sun with some potential, says right now, scattered storms in the evening. Now, keep in mind, we're recording this Friday. It's the weather, a lot can change, but something to keep our eyes on. Could be rainy at Lambo Monday evening.
3: Only totally, definitely. I think, Jason, we, we recommended he bring a poncho of some sort, maybe a jacket, I think if it's going to be as high as it's supposed to be, he's going to be probably sweating a little bit. But we never know. He's from Arizona. He's going to he be a little, little softer than you and I, perhaps. So <laughs> we got we to gotta get into some stuff here, though. Uh, some news broke today, unfortunately. A terrible way to start my Friday or, my I guess, my my weekend. It's been talked about. Z'Darrius Smith with his back injury hasn't gone away. And officially, he's out. Out for a couple weeks. Matt LaFleur talked about it, said it sounds like it's a, a definite for a few weeks that he's going to be gone with that back injury. Three weeks minimum. But we'll see how long this lasts, and it it's a big blow to a Packers defense that didn't look that great against a banged-up New Orleans offensive line. Jameis Winston was running a little bit more than I wanted to on Sunday, so what does this make the defense look like now, Paul? Are we going to be in some tough shape with pass rush, run defense? Like, what, what do we look like right now going forward, and what is our time frame, at least to, to Z, to come back?
2: That's a great question, and if the Packers know, they're not letting us know at this point. Uh, Matt Lafleur's exact words were, we're going to have to shut him down for a while. As you said, Matt, since he is on IR, the minimum's three weeks, but we'll have to see. And I mean, we talked about this last week with back injuries. You never know what you're going to get with them, whether they're going to go away for a week or so and pop back up, or what the time period's going to be. They're just so, so tricky. So as far as the time frame, I don't think any of us, and maybe not even inside Lambeau, do they have, do they really know at this point, it's just going to be dependent on How quickly it heals. And like I said, that can vary from person to person. As far as what that means for the Green Bay Packers, the obvious, their pass rush is going to take a huge hit. And their pass rush with Zadarius only playing 18 snaps against New Orleans was already, there wasn't a lot there, in all honesty. It's going to put a lot more pressure on Rashawn Gary, who was one of the better pass rushers that Green Bay had last week. Preston Smith, we're going to need to see that bounce back season. But even if those two, like we said before the show, if Rashawn Gary makes that year three leap, if Preston Smith bounces back like we all hope that he can, there's still going to be a loss here because the Green Bay Packers had the benefit of running three deep with three pretty good edge rushers when Zadarius was healthy. But now even if Gary's playing well, even if Preston's playing well, they're going to have to rely on Chauncey Rivers and or Jonathan Garvin because you can't just go with Smith and Gary the whole game. They're going to need time off. So that means one of those two, or both perhaps, they're going to be thrusted into a lot bigger roles, probably similar to what we saw last week. And neither made, were able to make that great of an impact. So the overall pass rush depth has taken a big hit without Z. And obviously, I know he wasn't voted captain, but he's one of these leaders on the defensive side of the ball. So that's going to be missed as well. It's a big, it's a tough loss to say the least. We all know that, but it's the NFL they're going to have to find a way to overcome it
3: and you talked about Matt LaFleur's words he also mentioned why not try to get him as healthy as possible uh, so we can have him readily available hopefully you know that's i i, I think it is telling that the, what Matt LaFleur said today in his media availability is it, normally they hold them being the packers hold information pretty close to the chest and for him to be so outspoken and saying hey we're shutting him down for you know, putting him on IR, he's going to be out for three weeks. He he may come back after that. We're really not sure. I think it's telling, like you mentioned, that 18 snaps he played against the Saints in just the capacity that it was. We kind of predicted that, you know, maybe it would be a, a snap, a playoff, a snap, a playoff, maybe you know two then one, something like that. And it was obviously well under that uh, that pattern that we were predicting. And I think, like you mentioned, it's for myself. I was looking at it this year. Like Preston had a. In, in all honesty, a, a pretty shitty 2020 campaign. He didn't look that great. He was awful on pass coverage. Say what you will about that. But I think it was like, OK, if he can bounce back, we still have Z who had a down year compared to 2019. But we have Rayshon Gary who should be evolving in, into his third year you know, higher caliber. It was really a nice core of three guys you're going to have. And but even at that point, it was still going to be a little bit thin. You expected, like you said, Chauncey Rivers, Jonathan Garvin, probably to have to get some reps in there. And now we're going to be relying on those guys heavily. It's going to be a tough, tough spot for the Packers, and it sucks. It's a brutal spot. And I, I'm as much as you mentioned the the pass rush. I, you know, I think the just the run defense hasn't looked that great for a long, long time. Is going to suffer some from Z because he can put his hands in the dirt. He can go play inside a little bit and. That run defense hasn't been all that great even when Z's on the field. So it's going to be a brutal, brutal blow. We'll see how some of these younger guys are able to – take opportunities and maybe they can run with them you mentioned before recording jonathan garvin is this this hyped up player that's an overly used word but it's not like he's a top 100 pick a top three round guy he's a seventh round raw talent 22 years old we'll see what the hell we can get from him but it's nice they have the insurance policy or at least the the peace of mind from chauncey rivers who they brought in this offseason and and think they can have something from him as we progress, that'll be something absolutely interesting to watch to see what the snap count will be on Monday night. I think that's going to be huge. I know as they go forward and play like teams like the Niners specifically in week three – huge, huge running team. That's going to be interesting. And then, you know, the Steelers, I assume Najee Harris will run the ball a little bit, but they've been kind of relying on the passing game. But as we progress forward, we'll see how everything works out. But, Paul, we got a couple other things to get to, but one I wanted to mention, and pulling some of this from your article on the Dairyland Express, is you mentioned in your article, um, and it was well written, about the Packers under Matt LaFleur and how when they lose... They fricking lose. There's really no heartbreak. There is no hey last second missed field goal. We you know we lose on a jump ball hail mary something like that or return the or we return the favor. Generally they're getting their ass kicked. Why does that happen? Like wh- what? I know you probably don't have the you know the magic eight ball in front and you're shaking it, but like what in can you make any sense of that? Why that happens? And thankfully on the, you know, the silver lining, when the Packers lose a game, they've yet to lose back to back games. History would tell you they should win this game on Monday Night Football, even with a banged up Zedaria
2: Smith. But why, when they lose, do they lose big? We can look at, you know, the game like against the Chargers from when was that? 2019. They're heading out west. It's a long trip an inferior opponent. It's the middle of the season. Maybe you just don't get up for a game like that, like you, like you should, or what you need to do in order to win. But some of those other games where it's, the Championship game against the 49ers week one against the Saints, uh, Buccaneers week six last year. To me, it's in each of those games, they got down quickly. And when they get down quickly, as we saw against New Orleans, there is the tendency for them to abandon the run game, rely on 11 personnel, three wide, four wide, five wide. And that's not how this offense operates. That is not how Aaron Rodgers finds success anymore. It is predicated on running the ball and not even running the ball. The defense, you know, it's not, this isn't to say that for the Packers to be successful, they have to go hand it off 30 plus times every game. Sometimes, yes. But the defense has to at least think that you're going to run the ball. And the Green Bay Packers, the tendency in these blowout losses, they abandon the run. They get away from what made them successful. And this hero ball, five wide, 11 personnel, as I already mentioned, that doesn't work anymore. And the Saints game, I know that, The score was out of hand pretty quickly. They were down by two scores, three scores pretty quickly. But there was still plenty of time left, especially, you know, in the NFL with this potent offense that the Packers have, where they didn't have to totally abandon the run. I mean, at the I believe there were seven minutes left in the third quarter. They got the ball back. This was on the drive that eventually resulted in Roger's second interception. But at that point, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon had six combined carries. The score was still 17 to 3. Even at that point, no, there's not a ton of time, but a quarter and a half for this offense to make up two scores, that's still plenty of time for them to not totally abandon the game plan. And it wasn't like at the seven minute mark they had decided, oh, we're going to abandon it. They had abandoned the run game long before then. I don't know what the reasoning is. The blame falls on it's not Rodgers or the Fluor, it's both Rodgers and the Fluor as to why this happens. But that's what I believe ends up being the the result, or why that ends up happening so much.
3: Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It honestly is, and like I think it's that that hero ball, like you mentioned. I feel like some of that does fall on Rodgers to be like, you know, screw it, we're gonna go five wide. We're gonna spread these guys out, or have the you know the running back in the backfield spread them. I can motion him out and figure out who the mic is if they're in you know man coverage, zone coverage, whatever. But the fact that, like you mentioned, you're down two scores and you're still going to just not rely on the run is is unbelievable. And you look at the final stats from the Saints game, and I know we don't want to you know rely on that too much. And we're, we're moving on and we're on to Monday Night Football, but 15 carries total between the whole team. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like you can't you can't win games if you're only doing that. And that that reminds me of like some of the struggle struggle years of like Mike McCarthy, where we didn't have a running back and we were, were we were having Randall Cobb in at running back being the primary back and like just struggling with a running game. And like, that's not the case anymore. You have two legit running backs, possibly a third and Kylan Hill. We'll see what he does, but it's, it's unfortunate that they, they pull the rip cord so fast, if you will. And I don't know who's to blame for that. It's tough to point fingers. I, I want to say some of it's on Aaron Rodgers, but at the end of the day, Matt LaFleur is the coach. Nathaniel Hackett is the OC. Mm-hmm. You'd think they'd be able to you know, say, hey, let's not panic. We're only down two scores. Let's run the ball. Let's establish our dominance. Let's open some stuff up downfield for a play action pass rollout. Um, and that really was never there at all during that game. And so let's, I mean, you talk about the running backs and I think that's going to, that's going to get fixed. I, I really, really do believe you mentioned your article that the, the Lions give up a hell of a lot of run, uh, excuse me, rushing yards. But a lot of this, I think Paul too, like you can look at either side is like, now, is this a offensive scheme problem between Rodgers, Hackett and Lafleur, where, when they're down big, they want to stop running the ball or is it because of the offensive line health? And Last week, health wasn't really a factor, but we had some young guys in there, right? Royce Newman, Josh Myers. And to be honest, it didn't look that great across the board. I think Elton Jenkins did have a pretty high rank via PFF. Outside of that, I didn't see anyone that ranked too high. Now we got an injury with Lucas Patrick up in the middle there. So now we're in a real, real sticky situation where we had a guy that was somewhat of a veteran, I would say, in Lucas Patrick. But now there's going to be some shuffling going on. Do we put a guy like John Runyon in? Do we move Billy Turner inside, get Dennis Kelly his first snaps in green and gold? Like, what what, do you have a preference at this point between those two scenarios?
2: Yeah, I think the two scenarios you brought up are the two likely options. Either John Runyon's going to take over for Lucas Patrick, who is in concussion protocol right now. He didn't practice Thursday or Friday. Um, Obviously, with that type of injury, it's difficult to gauge when a person is going to be available but if he's not able to go, John Runyon taking a spot at left guard is one option. Second option is Dennis Kelly taking over at right tackle for Billy Turner, and Billy Turner moving inside. If I had to if I had to guess, I would say that they go with John Runyon. Reason being to keep that continuity at the tackle position, which is a key position in on any football team. But as Matt LaFleur always talks about, and what this is going to come down to is his goal is to put the best five on the field, the best five offensive linemen. So when we look at that, is the, so Billy Turner compared to Dennis Kelly, Billy Turner's the better tackle. Uh, Billy Turner's um, may even be, or at this point, I think we would say he's the better guard in comparison to John Runyon. So is Billy Turner moving into guard? Is the upgrade at guard for Billy Turner over Runyon greater than the downgrade from going from Turner to Kelly at tackle? I hope I hope this makes sense and you can all follow this. Um, Or is keeping John Runyon at guard the better option? It's going to come down to who is the best five collectively. That may mean downgrading at one position, but as a whole, the unit is stronger, if that makes sense. Because that's really what offensive line play is. You can have the best left tackle in football like a David Bakhtiari. But if the right side of the Green Bay Packers offensive line is in shambles, David Bakhtiari can only do so much. As a unit, the offensive line is going to struggle if that's the case. And I'm not saying that's the case at all. This is obviously just an example. But offensive line play is very much the the sum of the parts is greater than the individual. So it's going to come down to which players provide this group with the best five. And if I had to make a guess right now, I would say that they do go with John Runyon just because he was so close to, you know, he was right in competition for that starting guard spot right up until the final preseason game. Dennis Kelly, he missed... A good chunk of training camp once he was signed by the green bay packers with his injury we haven't really seen him i don't believe he appeared in any of the preseason games so there's a little bit of unknown and that's obviously on our part they know where dennis kelly's at health wise within lambo or whether he's ready to go and start a game right now or not but based on the information that we have i would lean towards Runyon as being the preferred option
1: Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. Tickpick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, Tickpick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from Tickpick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit tickpick.comslash packaday today and use promo code PACKADAY to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?
3: I feel comfortable with that, too, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with, like you mentioned, John Runyon, I thought was going to be the starter up until that last preseason game where Royce Newman and even training camp there, he kind of bursted through because for many, many weeks, it was John Runyon was taking snaps with the guards. John Runyon's the guard. He's A1 right now, and it was for a long, long time, and Dennis Kelly has been you know, banged up, injured, and I think, like you mentioned, the continuity with Billy Turner on the outside at least gives you a little bit more peace of mind than you know shuffling more parts at least you're moving one guy in and out flip-flopping two guys and bringing in a guy that hasn't really seen any snaps with this offensive line but the silver lining here is that it's it's awesome that Goodkun's and the Packers have invested in players that are versatile they play multiple positions it doesn't really matter who it is they all play multiple positions which is a fantastic luxury to have and it's something that they've really used as a cornerstone to to build this team around and invest in I, so I think it's going to be, there's going to be some struggles that'll have happened. I don't think it's going to, you know, vastly improve from this last week. It would be great if that was the case. Maybe John Runyon is the fix and Lucas Patrick never sees the field again. Um, I think that's, that's probably a, Not going to happen, but with a concussion and the potential of John Runyon when he looks so good in preseason and training camp, there could be an argument to be had for that. So let's hope the running game gets a lot better this week. I think it will. I imagine they're going to bounce back with that offense. And like you mentioned in your article, like really set the tone with this running game because they ran the snot of the ball versus the Lions last year. The Niners just came off a game where they ran the crap of the ball. I think the Lions defense is going to give up a lot of yards on the ground, and I hope the Packers are going to establish that dominance early on to set the tone and get some of those play-action rollouts for Robert Tanyan sliding across the formation or take a deep shot here or there, a calculated one, not one in a double coverage. But let's flip to the opposite side of the ball. We talked a little bit more of a philosophy with the offense or maybe even the just the overall team, why they get down in losses and just get blown out. Let's talk of something maybe a little bit that – I think a lot of Packer fans see even casual people where we're looking at third and short, maybe second and 10, first and 10, whatever the situation is, but it doesn't really matter where the sticks are. It seems like the cornerbacks are always a yard or two behind that. It doesn't, it's almost without fail. And we thought this was a Mike Patton thing, but we saw this a lot in week one with Joe Barry's defense. Why? I, I, you know, I play a lot of Madden. I watch a lot of football. I don't see this. I see this with some teams like here and there, but it seems like this is a consistently consistency with the Packers cornerbacks. I can't wrap my mind around it, Paul. It makes no sense. It is it's it's all that it falls in line with to me is the Ben don't break mantra. And that's fine, but at some point you have to, you can't just give up an easy five yards to make it a manageable third down or you know, let a bubble screen on third and two evolve into five yards and they continue the drive. Why, what is the point behind that? Is there any, I know you don't want to get beat deep and maybe Kevin King's a little gung shy that way. I obviously Jair Alexander's way more confident in his abilities than Kevin King probably has ever been, but when is this going to stop? Are we going to see this fade away with Joe Barry or are we going to be seeing some of the residual effects of the Mike Pettin defense for years
2: to come? Oof. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. it's There was this quote from Adrian Amos. It was during early summer, maybe June or so, or maybe even before then. But he said that the biggest difference for him between the Patton and Barry defense was the terminology. He said the mechanics of it were, you know, there were a lot of similarities. And then we go out and watch week one and we see the run defense struggle. We see the off coverage. And you go, oh, I guess it's pretty similar, at least in that regard, for one week. But I don't know what it is. I I put it, more, obviously, more on the coaching staff than the players. But Matt LaFleur has talked about, before I get to that, I'll say we knew the Mike Pettin defense was uh, don't give up the big plays. You said that was their that was their M.O. That was their prerogative. And but Mike or Matt LaFleur has talked about how he wanted to see them play more press. This came up in conversation, I believe, even at the end of last year or in the playoffs last year. So I thought that we were going to go away from that. I thought that we were going to see more aggressive play from the cornerbacks. And that doesn't mean that you got to get right up in their face and press them, bump and run them every single time, but at least, you know, lessen that gap. Like you said, if it's third and six, Packers are at the the Packer corners at the seven, eight yard line. If it's second and 10, the Packer cornerbacks are eight, nine yards off allowing for maybe a four or five yard completion. Now it's third manageable. It's a lot more easier for the offense. You guys get the idea why that happens. I don't know. I do think it goes back to kind of a similar philosophy and we don't want to give up the big play, but at this point and maybe if it happens, I'll change my tune. But at this point, give up a big play. If it means getting off the field, you know, if, if you ask me right now, hey, the Packers are going to give up a touchdown here on the second play for 80 yards, or they're going to put together, or excuse me, the opponent's going to put together a touchdown score here, second play, 80-yard play, or they're going to put together a 15-yard drive and score. Well, do give up, give up the shot play at that point, right? We want to have the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hands, not the offense standing on the sideline. Obviously, that can't get out of hand. You don't want to give up a ton of those. It's a fine line. But I would just like to see this defense do more of the dictating instead of sitting back and letting the offense dictate things. And I hope that week one was a wake-up call. I hope that we see more of that just aggressive nature overall from this defensive unit. But as to why, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. But I know just about all of us are... Perhaps all of us are tired of seeing it at this point.
3: Oh yeah, and like I've asked you a lot of why questions here. It's and it's tough because it's like we're looking at this and it's there's really no answer. Like there's I think there's a lot of people even probably inside the into the locker room that don't know why they do certain things. And one thing to point to like it, it's tough when you're watching a game and if you're not watching a game back. And I know there's issues right now with NFL Game Pass. That's a whole different story, but. This is something you can definitely watch when the Packers are on defense. It's very, very easy to see where the cornerbacks are lined up. So maybe pay attention to that this week versus the Lions. I think they have a great opportunity. You mentioned in your article. The offensive talent for the Lions is far and few between. It's mostly Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and the stud, TJ Hawkinson. Outside of that, it's, it's pretty, pretty minimal for the receivers on the edge that are going to do anything. So I would hope, if you're watching the game this weekend, to see the cornerbacks contest a little bit. And maybe play a little bump and run coverage or not so passive. And I think a lot of this, too, has to do, to do with this schematically. It seems like a lot of cover three. They play with that extra safety down the box. Therefore, it's kind of the, the three shell situation. You don't want to get beat deep. And it, it there's eventually, I think this will go away. I'm interested to see if they take a chance this week with a team that relatively can't push the ball down the field too much. They're going to probably get it to TJ Hawkinson quite a bit get those running backs involved with the passing game and try to establish the run early. But while you're watching the game, Paul are are you expecting Eric Stokes to get a few more snaps this week? I mean, that, that should happen. Right. I think when I, when I looked at it and I, I, I saw that earlier in the week, I think what do you have eight? What do you have eight plays? If, if Mm -hmm. not less, was it less than that? Or was it eight? It was eight. And eight uh... plays. Like it's just, it's unbelievable to me. And I think we'll see that progress, but do we expect Eric Stokes to get some opportunities to show what he's got based off of Kevin King, what he did this last week, and then where Eric Stokes was drafted?
2: I hope so. Uh, I just want to bring up one other thing about mm-hmm. playing off and pressing. Against this Lions team, they should be up in their face. This receiver room is – it's thin. I mean, they're, they're leading receivers, pass catchers, I should say, last week. They were the guys that you mentioned, William Swift, running backs, and then T.J. Hawkinson. It wasn't particularly close after those three. So the Green Bay Packers should not be worried about, you know, with the corners that they have. And I know Kevin King's taking his lumps, but Matt LaFleur said he wants to see Kevin King up on the line of scrimmage, having him sit back in that zone, read and react. That's obviously not working. And I guess that kind of leads us into our next point here that you brought up with Eric Stokes. I sure hope we see Eric Stokes more. Uh, Jacob Morley of Packade Podcast. He brought up a really good point on Twitter. He goes, if Eric Stokes wasn't going to play in the preseason which he didn't, you know, I think he played maybe what, 10, 12 snaps per game and he's not going to play in week one. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like if he's going to go out and play, give you 30, 40 snaps. Okay. We don't want to risk injury in the preseason. I get that. If he's not going to play at all during or take very few snaps in the regular season, cause all right, we got Kevin King. We want to bring him along slowly. Let's at least get him some reps in the preseason here. Packers didn't do either of those things. So he brought, he tweeted that out and I, I hadn't thought of that and I go, that's a really, really good question. But my hope is that we do, because as I just mentioned, what we're seeing what we've seen from Kevin King that last game, it was just kind of a microcosm of what's happened. He was ran by on that skinny post for the big touchdown. I'm sure it gave everyone flashbacks to the NFC Championship game. Uh the play before that, he was spun around on a comeback route, it wasn't anywhere near contesting the pass. At this point, I wrote I wrote an article specifically about this topic as well. I'm not even I'm not even that frustrated with Kevin King anymore. It's his fifth season. We know who he is as a player. You know who I'm frustrated with? The coaching staff. The coaching staff who keeps putting Kevin King in these same situations where he continues to struggle. At some point, you need to do something different, right? What do they say? Definition of insanity? And same thing over and over, expecting different mm-hmm. results. That's what I feel like the coaching staff is doing with Kevin King. At some point, you have to make a change. And when it comes to Eric Stokes, he's going to be a part of, you know, this defensive equation this year that hopefully gets this team to a Super Bowl. I would rather have him taking his lumps here in week two, three, four, five, six than twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and so on. When it's the end of the year, you're trying to ramp up, uh, carry momentum into the playoffs. I'd rather have that happen now. And just because Stokes is going to hopefully Hopefully take more snaps. Kevin King isn't going anywhere, folks. He the way his contract's structured, I've seen this on Twitter. He's not getting cut. The, it's it's cap wise. It's actually cheaper for Packers to have him on the roster than off this year. He's going to be a part of this defense. But my hope is that it's not you know 58 snaps Kevin King whatever he had to eight for Stokes. Maybe it's more balanced at that point. And the hope is that in a more balanced you know uh, snap count for those two that we might see a more productive Kevin King because without having to be out there for majority of the snaps, if he's only out there for half of them, hopefully you're kind of picking and choosing strategically when, okay, Kevin King's out here, Eric Stokes is out here. So now he's in positions to succeed, positions that play to his strengths, positions where he can be more successful more often. That's the hope in all of this. But it's, I go back to what I have already said. At some point, you just got to do something different, don't you?
3: Absolutely, you do. And I think it's it is alarming when and I, I love that tweet from Jacob. Honestly, that was the first like kind of like grin and like, yeah, I, I don't get it either. <laughs> it was after the game. It kind of it was the first thing that kind of brought me a little bit of I don't want to say joy because it's like I'm I'm enjoying our confusion. But it, it, it doesn't make sense. It, to, none of that makes sense to me. If you were you were saving them for the regular season. Then freaking use the guy. Like he basically did nothing. Like he I think he covered Adam Trotman a couple times. Adam dropped the ball when he was in coverage. Like other than I think he had one pass deflection too. Like it's it's bizarre. I I for all the Kevin King haters out there, I was really hoping that week one was gonna be a bounce back game for him. I, I'm trying to take Kevin King for what he is and play within his skill set, And I think a lot of people are a little bit too harsh on Kevin, but he didn't do himself any favors getting beat by Deontay Harris on, on Sunday. That's just, you you can't have that happen. So it's, it's going to be a struggle. I I said this, I think last week when we were recording that I'm going in with, you know, jaded expectations or tapered expectations of what this defense is going to look like, how successful it's going to be. And I thought these first two weeks were going to be a good, you know, jumpstart to, all right, let's get some let's get some of these wrinkles ironed out. Let's figure out who needs to be where and what needs to go right. And really, like you mentioned earlier, it's everything kind of looked the same from what we've seen from Mike Pettin. There wasn't any new glaring holes from what I saw. Everything kind of looked the exact same from the Mike Pettin defense and out of the Joe Barry one. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's probably easier to fix some things along the way and stick with what you've had. Uh, You mentioned the terminology that's, you know, that's a a different variation. But again, you said that perfectly. And it's a, it's a cliche that people use all the time. If you keep doing, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. So let's, let's break away from insanity. Let's try to turn the ball over from Jared Goff. I think he's going to give the ball to the Packers defense. At least Uh, I I hope we can get a turnover this week. That would, that would make me feel good. Winning a turnover battle is always fantastic. (laughs) But outside of that, Paul, is there anything else you're looking into this week? Are you just hoping, you know, home opener, fans back in the stands, Monday night football, the the mystique that is Lambeau Field is enough to get the Packers their first win? Or is there anything else you're looking at that's a little bit glaring for you going into uh, the home opener?
2: No, we covered the big stuff. I'll just end on that the Packers are by far the more talented team than Detroit. Uh, those Packer offense should be able to – move the ball pretty easily against Detroit, and I hope they run the ball a lot. That isn't just because of the discussion we had and how it's an important part of this offense, but this this Detroit run defense, as you mentioned, the yardage that they gave up to Green Bay last year, the Niners this past week, they really struggle in that area. And the 49ers offense as a whole averaged eight yards per play last week, which was the second most in football. So hopefully the offense can dictate things this week. And we just see some progression from the defensive side of the ball. It's important to remember that they aren't going to all of a sudden click and turn it around. This is still a new defensive system, new language. We saw how there was so much confusion last week, especially in the secondary, that isn't going to change overnight. And even if the Green Bay Packers had gone out and won last week, they're still going to be steps that this defense has to take and hopefully the goal is that they're peaking by the end of the year and firing on all cylinders but still a new system it's going to take time so defensively just I would say temper expectations at this point and expect a whole lot of uh, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift in the run game and Packers will need to figure out how to stop Hawkinson as a pass catcher
3: Hell yeah, I totally agree with that. A little patience for the defense, Paul's saying. I I totally agree. I think one thing that shows up in the stat sheet for me, or doesn't show up in the stat sheet rather for the Lions, is the grit that they had in week one, honestly. And I kind of throw that word around That's once in a because it's it's funny, but really they stuck in the game the whole damn time. I mean, it was close. It came down to a, an, an onside kick. So
2: That's a really good the, point. That I Dan mean, Campbell team is going to say what you will about Dan Campbell yep. and the biting kneecaps, but that team will fight for him. They'll play all 60 minutes. The backers will have to as well. And it's amazing, like
3: first game too. Like that, normally I feel like I don't. Maybe it doesn't take some time, but we've seen other teams, especially specifically, um, who's their former coach that just got fired? Uh, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Tried to do the same thing almost, coming up with that hard nose, gritty attitude. It hasn't really worked. Joe Judge is trying to do that out in New York with the Giants. Hasn't really worked yet. They looked like crap on Thursday night football, but it seems like Dan Campbell at least has his Lions buying into them. So we'll see what happens on Monday night football. Obviously tomorrow on Sunday you will have the breakdown of injuries, the injury report, and re- or, you know previewing the game a little bit further in depth. Um, you can still find me on Twitter at matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at m a t t underscore f r a underscore. Follow Packaday Podcast obviously on Twitter. At this point, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast and you're kind of just in the courting stage, you're screwing up, please subscribe. If you're new to the podcast, write us a review, comment, share it with your friends. We would really, really appreciate that. It helps us out a ton to spread our knowledge and spread our wealth. Uh, but, Paul, where, where can everyone find you and all the content you're putting out around the uh, our favorite green and gold?
2: You can find me on Twitter at paul underscore brettel. That's B-R-E-T-L. I have a number of articles out each week at Dairyland Express, and then two—one on Monday, one on Friday—over at Cheesehead TV. So find me there.
3: That's awesome. I, I really enjoyed your article today. I'm glad you sent me because I. I, I need a little bit more of context to kind of wrap my head around it. Cause I was kind of all over the place, but it, it put me in a good frame. Uh, obviously Jason couldn't be with us today, but make sure you tweet at Jason at Jason Perone P E R O N E. Let him know what he needs to be wearing on the game on Monday Night Football. He's very concerned coming from Arizona. And even <laughs> with this hot, humid weather, I'm not sure he's ready because out in Arizona, you know, Paul, it's a dry heat. We're here. It's uh very, very wet weather. It's going to be. So make sure you tweet at him and let him know. And obviously, Get the weather reports to all of us. I mean, I didn't have any DMs this week, unfortunately. Jason kind of alley-ooped one to me and texted it, but send me some weather reports. I'm I'm willing and able. I don't care where they're coming from, but I would love to hear them. And then finally, Paul, I don't know if you're going to be there on Sunday. I will be there. Green Bay Distillery, Game on Wisconsin. We're having a little meetup situation there, September 19th from 3 to 7. If you guys are in town for the game or if you're in town for the – what's it? Jason – Jason Owen, Jake Owen concert, the Alan Jackson concert that got canceled for Saturday. Come on out, say what's up to everyone. It'd be great to meet everyone prizes, giveaways, getting you ready for Monday night football. Some people that are part of packet air there as well. So it'd be awesome to meet up with a bunch of people if you're able to, but, um, I love the opening weekend for Monday night football. It's awesome because it kind of gives you – it's like a three-day weekend a little bit. I don't know about you, Paul, but I have a lot of friends and family that come into towns for the opening weekend game. And I'm already excited to try to meet up with them on Monday after work and kind of squeak out a little bit early to meet up with them. But. It's going to be a hell of a weekend, a lot of stuff going on. Great weather, thankfully. Like Paul said, sometimes it's fall. Sometimes it seems like winter. Sometimes it seems like summer. We have some summer weather this weekend, but it should be a hell of a time. But um, for Paul Brittle, I'm Matt Fralick. Jason couldn't be with us. Safe travels to him. But go Pack Go, and let's hope let's get a win on Monday Night Football. Take care.